Dr. Debbie here, and just a quick announcement before we get to today's episode. Has someone shattered your trust? Have you been blindsided by betrayal? It's a total shock to the body and mind. Some of us recover, and many others stay sick, bitter, angry, resentful, and stuck. If that's you, I have a research-based solution. My new book, Trust Again, Overcoming Betrayal and Regaining Health, Confidence and Happiness is now available. In the book, I literally walk you through the five stages of betrayal all the way to transformation with all kinds of examples, stories, and activities so you heal as you're moving through the book. I've also shared my very personal story along with those who participated in my PhD study so you can see how others move through their experiences too. Of course, I'm also teaching you my four-part trust rebuilding process so you can learn to feel safe again, love again, trust again. So here's what you do. Go to the PBT, as in post-betrayal transformation, thepbtinstitute.com forward slash trust again. That's thepbtinstitute.com forward slash trust again. Why? Because there's a link on that page that'll take you to Amazon, but I want you to know about it because once you get the book, come back to that page, enter your receipt, and then you get some amazing bonus gifts. Can't wait to share the book with you. And if you have friends or a group who'd benefit, get it for them too, because I'm giving tickets to a very special workshop for anyone who purchases more than five copies. ThePBTInstitute.com forward slash trust again. Okay, now on to today's episode. Welcome to From Betrayal to Breakthrough. I'm Dr. Debbie Silber, and today's guest is Alex Jameson. Alexandra Jameson is the best-selling author of five books, including her latest book, Radical Alignment, which I read, and it's great, and co-author, co-star of the Oscar-nominated documentary, Supersize Me. She's a highly sought-after success mentor and motivational guide for thousands and has made it her mission to empower women to create epic lives. Her work has been praised by Oprah, The Today Show, Goop, Martha Stewart, The New York Times, L, USA Today, and more. She's the host of Her Rules Radio, a number one rated podcast, and an award-winning watercolor painter who has created commissioned works for clients around the world. If you dread having tough conversations, you're going to love this episode. I'm speaking with Alex Jameson, who recently released her new book, Radical alignment. I personally read it and found that having a well thought out structure in place, which Alex teaches, truly allows for conversations where everyone wins. Grab your pen and a piece of paper for this one so you can be sure to capture some of the nuggets Alex shared. Enjoy this conversation. Here we go. Okay, everybody, you are in for such a treat today because I brought on my friend, Alex Jamison. You know, I've known her for a couple of years, but when I heard about her book, her new book coming that just came out, I believe it just came out. How, how long has it been available? Uh, it's been a week. One week. A week. I said, we just have to bring her in so she can share all about it. I read it. I loved it. And now here she is. Welcome, Alex. Thank you so much for having me, Debbie. Great to be here. <laughs> Absolutely. So we're going to be talking about having tough conversations so everyone wins. And what I love about that is in the betrayal community, so often, it's not easy to have those challenging conversations. There's so much hurt. There's so much anger. There's so much 
pain. And what I love about one of the things I remember reading, you said, this is so you prevent a lot of this. This is so you, you this is the work you do a lot of times before these things happen. So it prevents it. Yeah. So tell us what you mean. And I also want to dive into what you mean by aim and, and all of it. So we could start there. Great. Well, let me just say that this covers so many different experiences of betrayal that learning how to have tough conversations wasn't something I really mastered until my late 30s. I'm now in my mid 40s. And it took me my entire adult life so far to see what was in the way, like why I felt so challenged and why I avoided tough conversations so often. And it really started for me, you know, I was three years old when my family was riddled with trauma and suicides. And we have lots of mental health issues and addiction in our family. So that kind of like childhood betrayal, like it feels like a betrayal when your parents and God bless them, like they had their own mental health challenges to get through. So they couldn't be there for me as a young child and teenager growing up. So I was kind of figuring out how to be a person on my own in some ways. And, and before you even get into that, so, so here you are, you're, you're a little kid, you're looking at your parents and it's so hard to, to make sense and meaning out of this. What did you assume? I mean, what, what was the interpretation that you had and, and how did that lead to, you know, having challenges with these conversations because of it? I, I didn't have words for it. It's only in retrospect that I can tell you what I assumed. Mm. <laughs> But I assumed that my mother was volatile and dangerous to upset because she lost her sister and her father to suicide within a couple of years when I was three years old. So she was going through a serious mental health breakdown. So I assumed that I had to take care of myself and I had to take care of my own problems, figure out my own answers. and rarely, if ever, go to anyone of authority for assistance. So I was the per- like the people-pleasing, perfectionistic, good girl, type A, gold star student. <laughs> mm. So at what point did you realize this just isn't working for me? Um, well, I, I really started my own self-health journey at around 18, right? When I went away to college and I had a little space and freedom to myself. Like I took myself to therapy in college, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't until going through my divorce in my early thirties with a toddler in tow that I started to see how my inability to talk about tough topics had led to so much betrayal in my relationship. And, and I started to connect the dots backward, like, oh, this is a pattern. And what did you do instead? So, so here you wanted to have these conversations or you were, you know, you felt that something wasn't right, didn't feel right, didn't feel aligned. What did you do instead? And, and do you remember how you felt that? Because and um, the reason why I'm asking is there are so many listeners right now who are saying, oh my gosh, that's what I'm doing. So what was I doing instead of mm-hmm. having tough conversations? <laughs> Just avoiding them. I was the smoother over. Mm-hmm. In my family my entire life and in my first marriage, I was the diplomat. 
And I could read the room and I didn't even know I was so good at it until my first marriage started breaking down, which was, oh, like energetically, I can read the room of who needs what before they even know what they need. And by the way, I mean, I assume that I can mind read and I'm not always correct, but I'm trying to keep everybody calm so that we don't go into, you know, uh, you know, emotional mood swings in the family. And you know what's so interesting? So many of my listeners and viewers can absolutely relate to what you're saying, but it's not without a price. Because look at the price you're paying for that. You're not speaking up. You're not speaking your truth. You're not saying if something isn't working for you, boundaries get crossed. I mean, the list is endless. Yeah, and it's exhausting. It's exhausting, sure. And then there's the health component. When, when that's going on, how do you not have physical, mental, emotional symptoms? It's nearly impossible. Yeah. So in my mid thirties, I came down with a whole host of health issues, including hypothyroid, complete adrenal, you know, they say adrenal fatigue. I'm like, it wasn't adrenal fatigue. It was like adrenal like destruction. (laughs) Nothing left, nothing left because I was so good at and constantly exerting my energies out into the world and not even asking, what do I need? I didn't have any needs. That was my thing. (laughs) And you know what's so interesting? Think about it. What's so interesting, and I find this particularly with women, we know the needs of every single other person in our care and reach. And when it comes to ourselves, we're clueless. So often it's like, well, I I don't know. I never even asked myself that question. Isn't that yeah. so, it's like so crazy. Why is it that we know the needs of our partners, of our children, and we, we just have no, I, I, you know, no clue what, it, what is it that we need? So, okay, so you realize this is what's going on. Now you're paying the physical price for it. So now you, your adrenals have tanked. So you're exhausted. You're having all the other issues that come along with adrenal fatigue. What, what happened next? Well, actually, that's about the time that I met my second husband. <laughs> <laughs> And luckily, he had been on his own journey. He had done a lot of work on himself, and he was able to do what wasn't available in my first marriage. He, he's able to self-reflect. He's able to, you know, he was in the same inquiry that I was, which was, how am I showing up that's causing these things to happen over and over again in my life? You know, and how can I stop beating the crap out of myself all the time about it while simultaneously healing and doing better? Mm. So in this was a very different relationship. Bob and I have been together now for about eight years. And we we decided very early, even as we were dating, we do not want to replicate the terrible relationship dynamics of the past, which required brave, courageous, uncomfortable conversations. You know, and what I love about that is it's a decision. It's a decision. This is not something that just happens by default. This is conscious choosing to do things differently. And together. That's how, together, and that's how something changes, right? And so often, I think what I see is that we're just sort of unconsciously going through things and, and we're numbing, avoiding, distracting when it's uncomfortable. But here it is. You have this opportunity in this new relationship to say, hey, you know what? Let's, let's choose a different path, a a different way to go through this based on what you've both experienced and what you want to experience together. So that that led to the idea of these conscious conversations? Yeah. So he was uh, a design and tech consultant. Mm. 
And I had been a health coach at that point for about 12 years. It's been about 21 years for me now in the coaching field. And we started to realize as we got to know each other better that, oh my gosh, there's a lot of overlap in in how we help people. Even though he's helping tech teams and startup companies and I'm helping one-on-one clients, there's some similar tools that we're using here. Basically, we help people get clear about what they need, what their challenges are, and what steps to do to get forward to what they want. Mm -hmm. So we actually held, on the request of a couple of friends, we held a couple of couples workshops. And, you know, there were these wonderful but small workshops where basically women were like dragging their boyfriends or husbands to the Mm -hmm, workshop. mm -hmm. And we realized, oh, couples are coming, but the two people in the couple are coming for very different reasons. We need to discover and make clear why they are here and what they want out of this as individuals and as a couple. So we created this little four-step conversation in order to get the room clear about why everybody was there and what they wanted. And And I loved, yeah, and I loved it. It was, I forgot, I believe it was chapter eight where you go through the different examples of uh, sending your child to school, have, you know, when you're going to get married, going on a trip, moving, you know, you had all these amazing examples of using it. So if you could tell us what those four things are and how you'd apply it, I'd love that. Yeah, so I'll tell you, this was, the, this was the one tool that people kept asking for over and over again after these workshops. So we're like, okay, this is a thing. So the four-step conversation is, first, there's a little tiny bit of setting the stage before you get into the four steps. First of all, decide what the one topic is you're talking about. That one piece is so relaxing to my nervous system. I'm like, oh, we're not going to go all over the place and we're not going to relitigate the past of every mistake I've ever made in my relationship. We're going to talk about this one topic, going to visit my mother-in-law for a vacation. We're going to talk about our finances this quarter. Like, right, you pick a topic. And I love what you did that you used that example. I, I believe it was Justin who was going to see his mom. You know, he didn't want his mom to talk about his tattoos or whatever it was. And it's in that one, having that one intention to bring to that conversation, you know, it's just a smoother way of going about it. It doesn't sort of ignite with all the other years of things you want to talk about. And by the way, this is a really good red flag to look for. If your conversation partner isn't willing to have a conversation with you with these basic rules, we're going to stick to a topic, we're not going to talk over each other, and we're going to share equally. Like, I get two minutes, you get two minutes. We're going to go back. And if they're not willing to agree to that fairness, then it's a really good indication that there's manipulation happening or that they are not ready to meet you in good faith. Mm. And that's a really good point too. You know, you mentioned the speaker and the listener. And, and I remember reading how there are roles. There, the speaker's supposed to do certain things and the listener's supposed to do certain things. Yeah. C- can you share what, what, are, what is best case scenario for what the listener should be doing, what the speaker should be doing? And then I'd love to get into a few examples. Great. So it's two very simple concepts listen with curiosity, right? Don't, don't listen to form an argument against. This process is, is a discovery process, not a problem-solving process. This is discovering where you might be in alignment or out of alignment. So listen with curiosity and speak with courage. Mm. Be vulnerable, as vulnerable as you can feel safe being, 
and go just a little bit further and being a little bit more revealing of who you are and what you feel about something. And I remember you said, if it feels a little bit scary, that's how you know you're on the right track because being vulnerable is terrifying. You know, it's, and I know it in my book that's coming out as well. There's my story there and it's terrifying, but it's in going that little bit of extra. That's when we know we're making that difference for whoever needs it. So it's, it's being courageous, being vulnerable. And then what does the other person do? So the listener is only listening you are only list, like you are trying to learn as much about the other person's stance as possible. There's something called tactical empathy. Tactical empathy means you aren't listening, you aren't agreeing with what the other person feels. You don't have to agree with them, but you have to understand them. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's the best place to start this from. And, and you know, when I, when I think of empathy, I, I picture sort of sympathy is here you are at the top of the mountain looking down at the person who, who fell. Hey, you doing okay down there? And empathy is going down there and saying, hey, I got you. I, I get this. I'm with you. Right. And, yeah. So let's say both of you are on board. The listener knows their role. The speaker knows their role. Can you go through the four, the yeah. four st- uh, steps? So the four steps are, and I'll go into them deeper in a second, you each share in turn your intentions, concerns, boundaries, and dreams about this topic you've agreed to talk about. So your intentions are your why. And usually this is the the shortest, most succinct, like we're doing this thing. We're, you know, we're going to visit your mom so that we, you know, it may be out of obligation. Like I feel obliged to do this, or I just really need to get out of the house for the weekend, like really simple top line stuff. Or, but if you, if you need a little bit richer question, your intentions could be, how does this thing help me live my values? Right? So family, maybe one of your strongest values, you know, I believe that family time is important. Mm -hmm. So that's, you each share your intentions for this thing. Then you each share your concerns, fears, and worries. This is usually the easiest for the human brain to come up with. (laughs) (laughs) And we really encourage you to put on the table again as, as in a way that feels safest to you in the context and with the person that you're sharing with. But we really encourage you like all the fears, put them all out there because there, you know, there's some, really good evidence. And we talked to our friend, Dr. Srini Pillay, who's a Harvard trained neuroscientist. He's like, look, when you speak your fears out loud and you hear them spoken out loud by yourself and it's received in a safe space, it actually calms the amygdala and your nervous system can chill out. I can see that. And I can also see how so often we may be reacting to something because we don't even know that there's fear, but we don't know what that fear is. And it's almost like in expressing it, we have an opportunity to say, oh, wow, I didn't even know I felt that. But yeah, it's true. Yeah. And you'll wreck it. We encourage you to recognize that the brain can really go off in some wild directions with fears Mm -hmm. and worries. Most of my fears and worries end up in the same place. Me dying alone, penniless under a bridge. That's my (laughs) ultimate fear about everything. (laughs) Well, there you have it, everybody. (laughs) So it's okay. And and, in my in my second marriage to Bob, I, it's such a huge difference to be able to really share all my fears and worries and know that he's not going to take it personally. 
even if it involves us, like, okay, I have this fear and, oh, that's not really going to happen, but it's what my brain does and it's been put out there. So now it can just go away. The brain just goes, okay, that's managed and it stops worrying about it. That often happens. So then you go into your boundaries and I know you are such an expert on this, Debbie. So I know that this is challenging because most of us have never been asked what they are or taught how to have them. So I can... I ask you to consider them as starter boundaries. They don't have to be perfectly formed. But there's two questions you can ask to help you come up with your boundaries. And you're not ordering off a menu. You're not demanding. You're doing your best to answer these two questions. What do I need to be my best in this situation? And what do I need to feel safe So two different energetic directions. And I'll give the example of going to visit my in-laws. My boundaries have become, over time, we only stay two nights, right? It doesn't become this long, drawn-out thing. We stay in a hotel, not with family. I don't drink alcohol while I'm there at all because even one glass of wine and I get irritable and cranky. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) And I need alone time every day. I need one hour by myself to go for a walk or just go to Starbucks and sit by myself. You know, this is so important because boundaries getting crossed is one of the most common things I see all the time. And reclaiming those boundaries can be so challenging because it's so unfamiliar. So I love how you're giving us this framework. And and just so I got it right, you're saying the boundaries, the questions you want to ask, what do I need uh, to be my best in this situation and what do I need to feel safe? Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And when we share them with our partner or with our family or team member, then the other person knows, again, you may not get everything you want, but you might. Mm-hmm. And then you know how to take care of each other and you can check in with each other. Hey, how's that? How are you doing on that thing that you said was important to you? It creates very clear uh, ways to take care of each other. Love that. And, and I want you to get to uh, at what's next step to boundaries. But I just have a, this other question too. When you're going through it, does, the, does the, the speaker say all four of their things and the listener listens or is it one for one? So we each, so it goes person A shares their intentions, person B shares their intention. Okay. Person A shares their concerns, person B. So it goes back and forth. Got it. Okay. So it is, it is fluid and it is like a conversation. And, and I'm sure what happens is there's such, um, it's, it's interesting because I'm sure one person is saying something that the other person, maybe it's the same exact intention. Maybe it is so totally different and you're getting to know each other on such a deeper level. Absolutely. And we really encourage you. We still do this ourselves. We actually get out our phone and we set the timer for three minutes a piece. And it gives you space because my husband is a verbal processor. So he needs to talk it out to get clear. I actually often need to sit for about 20 seconds to get my words straight and then I can speak them out loud. So it gives you space and it gives you again, this kind of safe cushion, Mm -hmm. like, okay, I've got three minutes to speak my, and the other person's not going to talk. We'll just be quiet if I need to think for 20 seconds. That's fine. Yeah. Beautiful. So, so we got through boundaries and then what's next? The final piece is my favorite 
And we intend, we actually redesigned it to have dreams at the end. Dreams is like putting a big bow on this process. If this were to go amazingly well, this vacation, this project, this event, what would be true? Like, how will you feel at the end of it? What would be true for me? What do I want to be true for you, for us as a team, for the community around us, for the world? Like, you really start to, A, release oxytocin together, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is so important. The cuddle hormone, yes. Right? You, it, it biochemically gets you, like, reconnected if, if there's been a little friction earlier. But it also gets you thinking more expansively. and. It's often, it's often really useful to hear somebody else's dreams because I challenge you to not want that for them. Mm. Like if you hear somebody else's dreams, you'd be like, oh yeah, like I want that for you too. And now you want my dreams for me. And that's when you start going into if you need to problem solve about a specific topic that was revealed earlier. Now you're a team. Mm-hmm. And, you'll, and you'll figure it out with more empathy and concern and respect for each other. I love that. Now, here's the reality of some people, what they may be facing, that they may have the best of intentions and go in with, into it with their partner, friend, coworker, whoever, and they're met with defensiveness, aggressiveness, whatever. What happens then? So I love the Gottman Four Horsemen of the Relationship Apocalypse, right? It's defensiveness, stonewalling, (laughs) all of those. Listen, you may have defensiveness come up in this process. Um, There's a couple of things that I know to be true. One is that you can only meet somebody as far as they're willing to meet you. Um, There are people who I have tried to approach people with this conversation structure about really big, important topics with people I've known for years, and they are immediately defensive, and I haven't even gotten into the conversation with them. And that just may be a hold, like, okay, we're, we can't talk about this, or I'm not willing, like, I need you to meet me in this context to talk about it so we can be more productive around it. And honestly, you can only really connect with someone in a productive way if they're willing to meet you in good faith. I said that before and I say it again because are they, like, if you're really willing to be changed by each other and truly listen to and open your heart to each other, great. But if you're not, then I don't know what conversation structure is going to help. Right. And you know, you you said so many amazing things. Willingness, I mean, I talk about it all the time. Willingness is such a needle mover in just about everything. Because if there is no willingness to heal, to have a conversation, to do whatever it is, nothing is going to change. And it's also a great measure if you see this person is unwilling to come to this in a, you know, in, in the the same way that, that let's say you are, would it be helpful to, to have a different topic you're bringing with them first, just to sort of try it out? Well, I'll tell you two things that I've discovered, which are really helpful. One is I use this process by myself before I even invite somebody to the conversation. So I will journal out my intentions, concerns, boundaries, and dreams about a topic with somebody 
before I even ask them to talk. Mm. So I have a chance to get clear and feel, feel more confident in my perspective. So we use this all the time by ourselves. The other one is I use this all the time with people and they don't even know I'm using it. <laughs> I, in the last two months, I have emailed family members about 40-year-old family problems and I have structured the email using these four steps, asking them to email me back. That was a boundary. Like, mm. will you email me back about these things? I would love to like engage with you. So that's a safer way to do it. Maybe you need to do it through a, a well-thought-out email. That's a great idea. Were you surprised by any of the responses that you got? Oh, my goodness, Debbie. It was life-changing. Oh, wow. Stuff from my, my aunts and uncles, they were willing to engage with me about deep old family wounds, and it was so healing. And now I can't wait to, to talk with them in person more deeply about these topics. That's an amazing way to do it. And I bet it was really healing for them too. They, they were so open and they said, we're so glad you wanted to know more about this. And, you know, when you're together as a big family, I only get to see them once or twice a year in person. And there's like 50 people in the room. So you can't have these deep conversations right, often. <laughs> right. I love that. I, I love the space it opens. I love the clarity it brings, the healing it brings. What do you want to make sure everyone knows as we wrap up? Um, this four-step conversation has it's been one of the simplest, most useful tools in my life. I have shared it with friends who, you know, the, the, my friend who wrote the introduction to our book, Rebecca, mom of five, you know, she's an entrepreneur, her husband's an artist. She's like, this saved my marriage and it's wow. changed how I have high level negotiations in my business. So it helps you uncover and go into areas that you might have forgotten to cover in the past. It just, it helps you be a master in communicating effectively and fairly, which we so need right now. <laughs> we, oh my gosh. And in so many different areas of life. Okay, everybody, the book is Radical Alignment. This is Alex Jameson, the author, co-author with her husband, Bob. Uh, where do we go to learn more about you, about the book? You know, you can go to RadicalAlignmentBook.com and see all kinds of stuff about the book. I love to hang out on Instagram personally. So I'm just at Delicious Alex there if you mm -hmm. want to engage with me and see like how we use it. I'm often posting about how we're using the conversation there. But, you know, just check out the book. You can get it anywhere you get books. So go get it. And, and I love it. There, I remember reading, Bob had a conversation with one of his clients in a cab and then the cab driver thanked him profusely. <laughs> Yeah, what he learned while eavesdropping. <laughs> yeah, the driver heard him take a friend or a client through the conversation, and the driver's like, that was really useful. Thanks. <laughs> so powerful stuff, everybody. Alex, I want to thank you so much. I know this is such a, a useful tool, an amazing book. I recommend it so highly, and just thank you for the, the amazing work you're doing. Debbie, same to you. It's an honor to be featured on your platform. I so respect the work that you do. I appreciate you having me. Thank you. I love how Alex so clearly defined the role of the speaker, 
listener, and how to set the stage so these conversations that you may have avoided in the past can go so much better and can also often lead to a greater understanding of one another, clarity, intimacy, and so much more. Grab your copy of the book by going to RadicalAlignmentBook.com and stay in touch with Alex on Instagram at Delicious Alex. We'll have all of Alex's information in the show notes at the pbtinstitute.com forward slash podcast. Here's my biggest takeaway. When we struggle with setting boundaries, a gentle way to begin is by asking ourselves, what do I need to be my best in this situation? And what do I need to feel safe? Answer those questions and your boundaries will become clear. Then say them so the other person knows exactly where you stand. It may take a bit of practice, but that's what's so great about this framework. Remember, it goes intentions, concerns, boundaries, and dreams, hoping it leads to a new way for you to prepare for and have conversations around topics that are important to you. Now, having conversations that way, having boundaries crossed, can leave you with some symptoms that need some cleaning up from things that didn't go the way you wanted in the past. If that's the case, take the post-betrayal syndrome quiz, which you can find at the pbtinstitute.com forward slash quiz. And have you checked out the PBT Institute membership community? Imagine everything you'd ever need to become your physical, mental, emotional best. Community, support, certified coaches and practitioners you can schedule time with, daily classes on all kinds of interesting topics, curated experts teaching advanced strategies in the areas of health, mindset, spirituality, personal development. Imagine the most friendly, welcoming, and supportive place to become your best, all online. Nothing like this exists, and I'm so excited to welcome you. Go to thepbtinstitute.com forward slash join to learn more. Thanks for listening. Can't wait to be with you next time, and here's to your breakthrough.